Hello and welcome to the Edify Podcast. This is designed for you, preacher, teacher, shepherd, deacon of the kingdom of God, for your edification, for your uplifting, for your ministry. you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm honored by the opportunity to redeem myself the first two sessions of this meeting I missed, and I apologize to Jake for that, but I appreciate him giving me the opportunity to uh, try to redeem that. I'm not happy about why, because of Stan and his group, but so glad to see y'all here today. Uh, looking out at a group of guys that I love and appreciate who've been a constant encouragement to me, and I want to be the same back for you. Paul told the church at Ephesus, Ephesians 6, verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. When all is said and done, it's always been a Christian's responsibility particularly a Christian man's responsibility to stand. Regardless of what's going on around us, regardless of the changes in the world, the opportunity is always there for us to step forward like Joshua of old. And basically, if I can paraphrase in a southern way, y'all can do what you want to, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And that's what we, we have to do. Last Tuesday... Was it maybe a pivotal day? I don't know. Who knows? Um, but nothing's changed in heaven. Not a single thing. And according to Daniel 4 and Daniel 5, the same God who ruled over the past administration is going to rule over this one in every form of government in the world. So that's not changed, and it's not going to. And though sometimes we look at our own civil government for some sort of leadership or, or mark to follow and we don't get it, that's never the mark we really should follow. <laughs> Our mark's always higher than that and always will be. So if, if anything was proven by our brethren in the first century, it's that you can be a Christian, you can be a faithful Christian, and the, the church can thrive even under the most oppressive forms of government. I mean, if the church ever, ever knew its best day, it was under a government that was hostile to it. And so for us to think now that and all the possibilities of what are coming after the first of the year may uh, step in our way in terms of moving forward with the Lord's kingdom. It's not at all a barrier. As a matter of fact, it's an opportunity because that's what our brethren saw in the first century. It's an opportunity for us to stand as a contrast against the very backdrop of what may come. Uh, and still, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, 1 John 4, 4. That's not changed not going to. Peter, in these epistles, wrote to folks who were being persecuted, to a church, according to chapter 1, that was scattered. Well, the church became scattered, if you will, right after Acts 7. The Bible says in Acts chapter 8 and verse 4 that those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. So they didn't, they didn't change anything about the way they lived their Christian lives every day. Someone has said, when living the Christian life becomes the hardest, that's when we should try the hardest to live a Christian life. I think we should try hard all the time. But when difficulty comes, we don't need to let that affect us. And guys, especially our families, 
congregations where we serve, the entities where we are leaders, they, they will look to us to see how we respond. They will look to us to see how genuine our faith is and how strong our resolve is, just like Joshua, to say, y'all can do what you want. And, and you can tell us to do what you want, but we're going to obey God rather than man. Acts 529, that's not changed either, and it's not going to. Elections come and go, but the Lord reigns in heaven. You know, political leaders, human beings come and go, but the Lord reigns in heaven. And our people need to be reminded of that. Congregations where we preach, the congregations where we have influence, those of you who are elders, our congregations need to be reminded that, that whatever happens in terms of civil government, yes, it may be a challenge. It may be something we have to overcome. And our brethren in the first century, they, they preach that all day long. But still, it doesn't mean that we have to go off and hide in a corner somewhere and think, well, you know, just because this happened, now we can't do what we're supposed to do. Now we better do what we're supposed to do. Absolutely. It's, it's needed in times of hardship probably more than, it, than ever. I'm not saying it's not in other times. I want us to look at 1 Peter 4 and just glean some things. We're going to read the whole chapter. Just glean a few things from it. And I just want to say a word of encouragement to you all here today regarding the topic we're discussing. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For we've spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In other words, we've wasted some of, most of us have wasted at least a portion of our lives at some point in time. That's what Peter's saying. In the past, we, we've been sort of silly and dumb. But let's don't do that again. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. That's the first thing. Number two, above all, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Number three, be hospitable with one another without grumbling. Number four, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Here it is. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. And if you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he's blasphemed, but on your part, he's glorified. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, <clears throat> a thief, an evildoer, or as a bitty body in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come 
for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it, it begins with us first, what will the end of those be who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, conclusion, that's what this is there for. Let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. We need to get our heads out of, out of Fox News and CNN and all the junk that's on TV and get our heads in this and keep our focus right here. We don't need to think that the devil is more powerful than God because he isn't. And we don't think, need to think that any challenge that we face in life is going to last forever because if we're Christians, the guarantee is it won't. It'll come to an end because there's not going to be any of this junk in heaven. But we're not there yet. And we still have a fight to fight. We still have a hill to march up. And we always will because in that very next chapter, 1 Peter 5, go down to about verse 8, our adversary is still at work as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And you don't have to look far to see that. It's time for us, brothers, as the New King James language would say, to gird up our, our loins and stand up and having done all to stand. And we may suffer, the church may suffer, but we are not going to back up one inch on the gospel, on our conviction, on our mandate to preach it and teach it and speak it openly, regardless of the consequences that may come. There may be some hard days, but you know what? There have been some hard days in the past. I don't know that there's ever a worse day than the day they killed the Lord. I mean, I can't find one, and I've looked in all the Bible, and I don't think there is one. But if you waited three days later, everything got a whole lot better. If we give God a chance and we do what we're supposed to do, can't control what's happening in Washington or someplace else, but I can control what's happening in my house. And that's Joshua's words. Because, again, there are going to be challenges in life regardless of who's in power in Washington. There are going to be things that are laid in front of us, hardships we have to face, hills we have to climb. And some days we get up and we just don't feel like doing it. You know, some days we're discouraged, some days we're down, some days we think, man, is this worth it? Well, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. And we must never, ever, ever change our mind about that. You've probably heard me use this illustration before. I'll close with it this morning. Some of you may know the name Steve Ginter. Most of you may not. The year is 1972. The U.S. or the, the Olympics in Munich, Germany, 1972. Most of us remember that who remember it regarding the terrorism that happened during that Olympics. But there was another story that unfolded that sometimes you don't hear about. Steve Ginter was born in Lakewood, California in 1951. So in 1972, that would have made him 21 years old. I don't know what other talents Steve Ginter had, but man, he could swim. <laughs> he was the best there was, particularly at the 200-meter freestyle. Beginning seven years before 1972, he started training for the Olympics. That would have made him 14 years old. 14 years old is still a kid. I mean, still a kid. You know, give me my Nintendo or whatever and let me just get in front of the TV and play. Steve Ginter had a goal. And so beginning seven years before that Olympics, he began training in the 200-meter freestyle. 
And basically what he did, seven hours a day, seven days a week, for seven solid years, he swam up and down a swimming pool. That's what he did. He didn't miss a day. He didn't take a day off. He didn't have a day of vacation. When he was sick, he still did it. Seven hours a day, seven days a week, seven solid years. During the Olympic trials before Munich, when they had the trials where you qualify for the Olympics, he beat everybody in the 200-meter freestyle by five lengths, and the closest guy to him was a competitor of his known, some of you will remember the name, Mark Spitz. Mark Spitz went on to win five gold medals in Munich in 72. Steve Ginter was that much better than him. Whenever Steve Ginter went to swim in a competition, he had thick, kind of bushy, curly hair. He always shaved his head before he swam. Less resistance. Well, that, nick that got him the nickname of Curly from the Three Stooges. Curly had that shaved head, you remember. Ten days before the team was to leave for the Olympic Games in Munich in 1972, ten days before that, what was he doing? Up and down that swimming pool. Steve Ginner's right lung collapsed. You've trained for seven years for something, and now your right lung collapses while you're still training. They took him to the hospital, cut him open, pumped his lung back up, sewed him up. And all of his coaches and all of his family and everybody that was supporting him, all of his team gathered around the hospital bed, and they said, Steve, we're so sorry. He said, what do you mean? They said, well, we're really sorry about the Olympics. We know you worked really hard. He said, I'm going. And they said, Steve, you, you, you can't go and swim 10 days after a lung operation. I'm going. And they said, well, Steve, the Olympic rules won't allow you to swim with the painkillers in your system from the surgery. He said, I'll swim without them. And they kept telling him, no, you can't, no, you can't, no, you can't. He stopped everybody. He said, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but how in, how in the world can y'all tell me what I can't do when this is what I've lived for for seven years? He said, I'm going. And he did. In barely two weeks, maybe close to three weeks, of course, the Olympics were a period of time when, when it was time for the competition, the 200-meter freestyle that morning, Curly was on the starting block right next to Mark Spitz. And they said his face was as white as that paper right there. Ten days after a lung operation, no painkillers whatsoever, still got that big incision in his side right here. He's on the starting block. They sounded that gun. All the swimmers hit the water. They said Steve Ginter let out a scream of pain. They said it sounded almost like the devil himself because that's how bad it hurt. I mean, you're 10 days after a major lung operation, and here you are going to swim 200 meters as fast as you can? Well, guess what he did? When he hit the water, that's exactly what he did. He took off to the end of that swimming pool as fast as he could get. By the time he got halfway through 100 meters down that swimming pool, he was three lengths in front of Mark Spitz, and he was pulling away. Barely two weeks after an operation like that. He kicked at the end of the pool, of course, flipped and kicked and started back for the second 100 meters. And when he did... All those stitches ripped from his side. And for the next 100 meters, a pint and a half of his blood spilled out in that pool. Mark Spitz swimming beside him had, said he had to swim through the blood. 
And guess what Steve Yenner did? He kept swimming. Loss of blood weakened him. Mark Spitz overtook him and beat him for the gold medal by the width, not the length, but the width of my index finger. Steve Yenner won the silver. But really, guys, he won the gold. He won the gold. I tell you that story just to say to you, I don't know how bad things are going to get, neither do you. There are some things we do know, that the Lord's coming again, that unless he comes, we've got two appointments, death and judgment. We know that's coming. We know there's a resurrection coming, and we know that eternity's coming. That's what we know, and that's what we need to focus on, what we know and not what we don't. But also, in the middle of all of that, we need to have a resolve within us that regardless of what happens in this world around us and regardless of who goes to Washington or who doesn't, we're going to serve the Lord, and we're going to be faithful doing it, and we're going to swim to the end of the pool regardless of how much blood we're, we're losing along the way. We're going we're to swim that last lap, and we're going to finish because that's what our Lord did, and that's what he expects of us as men, godly men, take up that whole armor, and having done all, to stand. Let's pray. Father, you know what's going on in this world. You know it better than us. You are still in control of all things, and you always will be. We are your sons. We are your children. We are your servants. We are in the army of Christ. We put our hand to the plow. Help us not to look back. Help us not to be fearful. But help us to be courageous and convicted. And to show those who follow us that our journey is not over and we will not turn away from the path. We thank you for the examples we have of that, particularly in our Lord Jesus. Please bless these men who are here today and the lives they live for you, the example they are to their families and those around about them. Please bless them with all good things and give them courage. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.